This morning, actually, I want to I want to address um, the whole camping thing. I want to talk about camping. I'm not actually going to tell you whether you should go camping or not, but I want to I want to talk about camping as a greater analogy. And um, so I'm wanting to to get into a place this morning where you, you might think about, well, what now? What now? We've we've been through a, a season and. We've had time for a little bit of a reset and, and we're actually doing a reset series and, and that's going to be coming up really soon. We're going to do that on Thursday nights and hopefully uh, many of you will be able to, to get down to the building here in Moona. Um, for others of you, it will be streamed. And we're, we're talking about what it means to have a reset and that's going to be very exciting. Um, if you want to hear a little bit more about the understanding of that and, and the launch of that, just jump on Facebook and tune into our... Um, encounter night. I'm sure the video will still be up there and you can find out what we're on about there. Um, But our theme this year as a church has been into the new and it's been very apt for the season that we've been in. And and a couple of years ago we were given a prophetic word as a church and and I feel uh, that that word is very, very, very now. And um, and Corey Turner, who is a great friend of ours and um, pastors a great church in Melbourne, and, and, and he really felt that, that God had put on his heart to share this with us. And, and he basically said, as a church, he wasn't speaking to us as individuals, he was speaking to us as a church. He says, you've not passed this way before. What I have for you in the future is greater than what you've ever seen in your past. And this morning, I, I want to declare that. I want to declare that for us as a church. And, and I'm really believing to declare this over individuals this morning, that you have not been this way before. And what God has got for you in your future is greater than anything that has been in your past. And, and you might be in a position where you feel like, OK, I've, I've had some glory days. I've been through some... Um, some some great things and maybe I'm just coasting now. Well, you know what? I I just want to declare and I believe it's a prophetic word for you that what God has for you in the future is greater than what you have in your past. And and I'm believing, Pastor Vivek, if if you're tuning in from Nepal this morning, um, I I want to encourage you and I I felt as I was preparing this message, I I just was praying for you and thinking about you and, and I want to encourage you that what God has for you in the future is so much greater than your past. God has used you in an amazing way, but what he's got for you in the future is amazing. And, you know, you may feel like, um, I'm talking generally here now, you may feel like you're in a huge battle or a struggle at the moment. What God has got for you is greater. He will free you from the struggle you're in at the moment. You might feel unmotivated. Uh, Perhaps you're feeling uninspired at the moment. Perhaps, you know, the season that we've been in or just your circumstances, you know, feel like you, you just feel flat. You feel even bored. Well, I want to encourage you. What God has got for you is greater than your past. Um, I believe he's going to bring a fresh awakening and he's going to bring inspiration into your situation. You may be feeling contained at the moment and and, and I want to declare that that your circumstances will not control you, they will not contain you. What he has got for you is greater than your past. What he has got for you will help you overcome life-controlling problems. It will help you overcome addictions. It will lead you into your future. He has greater for you. When the, the Hebrews, and that's the people that became the nation of Israel, and um, 
they, they were living as slaves in Egypt and they were essentially serving another king's dreams, another king's vision and they were building monuments and a legacy to another king. And, and I'm sure for them, they, they, they were abused, they were mistreated, life was tough, life was hard. Uh, it, was a, it was a pretty horrible place for them to be. But, you know, even beyond that, I'm sure that in all of them there was this, this longing, you know, we were not called to this. This is not our destiny. This is not our future. This is not what I'm believing for my kids and my kids' kids and the generations to come. That would have been probably the most soul-destroying thing for them about being in Egypt. And, and the fact that in that moment, that as I've already said, that they were, they were building monuments and a legacy to another king. They were living in bondage and sadness and knowing that this wasn't their destiny. And, and in that time, God spoke to them. And I want to encourage you this morning, maybe you can feel some of that in your situation. Maybe you feel like you know, you're not stepping into your dreams and your destiny. Perhaps you feel like you know, you're, you're serving something else that perhaps is controlling your life. You know what? I believe that God is speaking to you now. I believe that he wants to, to intervene in your life right now in this moment and reach you where you are. And he's got promises for you as we've been declaring this morning. Who's... Um, Who's ever broken a promise? Well, you know what, I've broken lots of them, um, I'm sad to say, but you know, often I'll, I'll go out cycling and, and Alex will say, uh, what time will you be home? And, and I'll tell her some time and you know, stuff happens and, and I get back much later. And she says to me, you promised me you're going to be home by a certain time. And I have to say, rather than making excuses like I used to, I have to say, look, I am sorry, I will try and do better. But you know what? As, as people, our word is not that watertight. Even though we can really mean something, stuff happens, things, things, things go on. Um, and, and many of you would have experienced broken promises. You would have experienced promises that, that have been made, that, that have you know, promised you all sorts of things and, and they haven't followed through and, and you're living with the, uh, the pain or the disappointment of broken promises. It says this in, in Hebrews 6, 17 and 18. It talks about the difference between the promises of humanity and the promises of God. It says, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Isn't that amazing that when God makes a promise, it's actually unchangeable? And there is nothing in the, in the universe, there is nothing in existence that is more rock solid that, that he can promise by than his own word. And, and he, so it's unchangeable. And the text goes on, it says, We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let it go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all the appearances right into the very presence of God. How amazing that God's promises are unchangeable and they're unbreakable and he'll always follow through. Listen to what uh, it says in Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 4. And it says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us 
great and precious promises. In other words, things that are of very high value. And I want to encourage you right now that if you were to pick up the word of God or if you were to go back to things that you know God has promised over your life, those things are precious. Um, those things are, are, are great promises. These promises that are... Un- there are promises that are unable... I'll start that again. There are promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and, ex- and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. Isn't that amazing? That there are promises that God gives us. They enable us to share in his divine nature. In other words, you know what? We are, we are human, of course. We're not divine. But his promises enable us to buy in to the very nature, the divine nature of God, and, and they enable us to escape the corruption of the world. So those promises do two things. They help you participate in the supernatural. In other words, you can be part of the supernatural things that God is doing. And number two, they enable you to escape the corruption of the world. They enable you to live beyond it and not be controlled by the world's corruption. So we've got every reason to grab hold of these promises with both hands and never let them go. So what do we need to do with the promises of God? I think... I think we've got to get to know them, we've got to understand them and we've got to pursue them. And, and in coming weeks, and particularly in our Reset series, we'll talk more about that. But you know, get to know his promises, understand his promises and pursue his promises. Let's be constantly finding and thinking and chasing his promises. God spoke to the Hebrews while they were slaves. You know what? God, God speaks to you. Even if you're in less than an ideal situation, even if you're in a place where you you feel like something is slowing you down, something is controlling your life, something is, is stopping you at the moment, God is speaking to you in that situation. And listen to what he said to the Hebrews while they were slaves in Israel. He says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And, um, and I haven't got time to go into all this this morning, but um, in, in, in our Reset series we'll look at these things. But he says, I will bring you out. In other words, he's going to save you. And, and that's talking about salvation. That's talking about when we were far from God, when we were lost, that he reaches out and he saves you. Maybe you're not connected with, with God this morning. Maybe you don't understand him as any more than, than some sort of figure, some, something that's out there. But I want to say to you, he is interested in you, he is got promises for you. He loves you and he can save you from whatever you're going through. He can save your eternal destiny and he wants to do that. And, and his, his second promise is, I will free you. In other words, he'll set you free of your past and the stuff that, that is defining you and, and often controls the way that you live. And, and he wants to deliver you from those things. I will redeem you. In other words, he will restore you. He will put you back to the purpose for which he created you. You know what? You weren't born for nothing. You weren't born to take up space. You were born for, born for a purpose. You were born for more. You were born to make a difference and God's 
promise is he will put you back to that purpose and enable you to do what you were created to do. He will put you in your slipstream. He will put you in the place that he first dreamed of you before the creation of the world. And and the last thing is, number four, is I will take you as my own people. In other words, you will find fulfilment. Did you know that fulfilment isn't about everything being perfect, it's about having a peace on the inside and knowing you're part of something that is much bigger than you and being able to rest in that. That is what God promises for you. So the Hebrews were saved from the tyranny of Egypt. God's intention was that the journey to the promised land would take days rather than decades. It actually wasn't that far. It's probably not much different to walking from one end of Tasmania to the other. It's perhaps even a little bit less. And, and, and you know, we know the story. What should have taken days took them decades, in fact, 40 years. And, and they spent 40 years camping in the desert or the wilderness, as it's referred to in the Bible. Now, the wilderness is not bad. You know, we've got great wilderness in Tasmania. I love going into the wilderness. I love being able to go bushwalking and experience the Tasmanian wilderness. But you know what? It's not my destination. It's not where I intend to live the rest of my life. And for the Hebrews, you know what? They were camping in the wilderness, but it wasn't their destination. And sometimes we experience the wilderness, it's not bad, but it's not your destination. We're all going to go through wilderness seasons, wilderness experiences, and they are not bad. There's, there's good things that God will bring out of that for you, but that wilderness is not your destination. I like camping, as I've said already. I've spent lots of time camping. And it's interesting the way over the years that our camping has actually progressed. You know, we used to go camping with a, with a little car. Um, I, I remember we used to go camping in a, in a hatchback and we'd just throw a little bit of gear in the back of the hatchback and away we'd go and that'd be it. And, and, then, and then we progressed a bit more. We started buying more camping equipment and, um, and we used to have a, a VW Golf. Uh, we love a little car um, that, that, that Alex loved. And, and what we would actually do is, is, I think at one point I even took the seats out of the back of it so that we could just fill it, completely fill it with stuff to go camping. And, and one trip, I remember, we, we had it so filled that, that you could hardly get in the car. Um, I remember, and then, you know what Alex did? Um, on top of that, we, we, we got up halfway up the east coast somewhere and it was a family thing and, and she decided that we could fit two of the other family members in the car and I said, Alex, no, 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 not going to happen. And she said, Dave, you could sort of repack it and they could fit in. I said, no, I am not repacking that, Alex. And she said, well, you know what she's like. She said, well, if, you, if you're not going to have to repack it, I will. And she was determining, well, we pulled this stuff out and we got, um, don't tell police officers, don't tell safety people, don't tell WHS people. This was a long time ago. But, you know, we had, we had these two people in the car. I remember one person had to have their, they couldn't even sit up straight. They had to have their neck crinked over like that and, 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 and somebody else was sort of jam somewhere else and there was gear all around because we had so much gear to go camping. Anyway, we finally get there and, and, and then in the next season we couldn't fit it all in the car so we used to take a trailer. We used to take a car full and a trailer full 
And um, anyway, that went on for a while and then that seemed to get too hard so we went to a small caravan and um, uh, that was okay. But, but then the caravan would be filled up with stuff right to the top and, and, and it takes so long to set up. So what have we done now? We've bought a bigger caravan. Oh, I, just don't, I just hope we don't fill that big caravan up with stuff. But you know what? Camping is a lot of fun. Camping is, is something that is, is great, but it's never supposed to be permanent. You see, I've camped lots of times in tents at Coles Bay in the summer and, and loved it, but you know what? I would hate to actually live in a tent at Coles Bay through a Tasmanian winter. That would not be pleasant. The other thing about camping too is I've over the years run lots of youth camps and they're a little bit different. Normally you go to a campsite where there are rooms and things like that, but the, the thing about, uh, about those camps is, is they tend to have, have lots of rules because, you know what, if you don't have some boundaries and things, you know, people go wild and, and the whole camp sort of disintegrates. So, you know, like, camps have rules. So here's some things I've thought about with camps. Camps normally have rules where a home has a culture. You see, you know what, we, we go and have fun in the campsite, but we always come back to our homes. You know, a camp, a camp will have all these rules, especially when you're on a youth camp. You know, you've got to get up at this time, go to bed at this time, you can't go in that room, uh, and, and, and you've got to come back at this time, and you can only go out with certain people. All these things, whereas in a home, your parents are not, generally speaking, laying down all the rules. There is a culture of the home that, you know, you know what you can do, and, and you know perhaps the things that you shouldn't do. And, you know, camps are temporary, homes are permanent. Camps are makeshift, whereas homes are complete. Camps are borrowed or rented or they're squats, and, and I've camped on all those places, where, but homes are mostly owned. Even if you're, you're renting, you, you know what? Your lease gives you the authority and ownership as long as you pay the rent. So you've actually got ownership of that space. The Hebrews, while they were in the, in the wilderness or camping in the desert, they'd been living in a time of preservation. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their food landed on the ground six nights a week. They had been miraculously protected against the hostile people of the region. But you know what? God wanted. That was never his intention for them to stay camping. He wanted them to move from a season of provision to a season of promise. A season where his promises would be owned and received. And it actually took 40 years, took 40 years for a generation who thought like slaves to, to actually pass away. They actually all died because their, their culture was so strong and the way they thought was took control of them so much that they were unable to take hold of the promises that God had for them. So it actually took a whole generation to pass away before a new generation could actually rise up who thought differently and were able to take hold of the promises of God rather than camping in the wilderness and actually move into the promised land. You know what? We're, we're not called to live like campers. We're not called to build dreams and legacy to a foreign king. We are called to carry the dreams and receive the promises of the king of kings. During Israel's 40-year camping trip, imagine that, a 40-year camping trip, a lot of the miracles seemed like they came at the last minute. You know, manna from heaven, 
Uh, water came out of the rocks. And, and it seemed like it happened just in time. You know, when at times you read the people were thirsty and it was like they were just about to die of starvation or thirst and all of a sudden the provision came. You know what? God hasn't promised us just enough. His present day for us is not last minute. It's, it's, it's not just enough for the day. It's not camp rations or, or camp food. You know, when I've been camping, you know, I've had, had some pretty average camp food. I've had some amazing camp food too. I've had you know, five-star gourmet camp food. We used to go camping with some great friends of ours, Pete and Penny Burnett. And, and Penny and Alex used to take in turns of cooking each night. And, and, and don't tell them... If you're listening, Penny, block your ears. But I think Alex and Penny sort of had some sort of competition who could do the the most gourmet meal and and it used to go up a level each night. So that was amazing. But other times I've been at camps where it's sort of camp food, camp rations. It's not the sort of food that you'd want to live on. You know what? He wants us to receive his abundance. He didn't promise Israel a desert camp. He promised them the gift of a land that was flowing with milk and honey. In other words, you know, a land that would actually provide for them and generations to come and they could step into the promise that God had for them. What he has for your future will be greater than anything you've seen in the past. You are called to live in the promise rather than camp in the wilderness. You are called to live in the promise rather than camp in the wilderness. And, and I think this is, uh, this is very apt for us as a church at the moment. We're, we're stepping into new things. Um, I believe that God has enabled us to, to go through this season of reset and obviously right where um, I'm speaking to you from now is our facility here at Moona. And, um, and I can actually share with you that this week we had a, a, another meeting of our strategic building team and um, you know things are progressing well and we're believing to, to get the last lot of things through council and, and actually go to tender and start building um, in this place as soon as we can. We're moving in to a new season. We're moving in to new things. You know what? We're not called to camp. When we arrived in this building, you know what? We camped here. We, we set up you know, we set up chairs and we just, we, we set up, a, you know, some speakers on sticks and, and we got it happening. And there was nothing wrong with that. It was good. It was what we were supposed to do in the season. But you know what? That's not the promise of God. That's not the destiny of God. The, the promise of God is for him to use this facility to be an influence, not just here in Moona, not just here in Tasmania, but, but wherever he calls us, you know. I, I believe there is a calling beyond where we are across the globe in many ways and I'm not saying that in a prideful way I just know that he's going to ask us to be an influence in, in all sorts of places you know that is the promise we're not called to camp we are called to be people of promise you know you are not called to camp you're not called to stay where you are you are called to step into the promises of God so how can we go from being campers to people of promise. How can we, how can we step out of, of a campsite and step in to the promise that God has for us? And, and I want to just unpack that a little bit in the time that I've got left here this morning. Uh, number one, I think don't become comfortable with the wilderness. Don't become comfortable with the wilderness. We can become comfortable in the wilderness, 
but I don't think we should be comfortable with the wilderness. For example, when I, when I go into the Tasmanian wilderness, um, I, I mostly feel comfortable you know, in being, being there with the wilderness all around me. I, I, feel, I feel comfortable in that place. But you know what? It's not my destiny. When you go into the wilderness, you've also got to have a way out of the wilderness. So you know what? If, if I was to get into the wilderness and think, oh, this is just so wonderful, this is just so good, I, I think I will live here for the rest of my life. You know, if, if I walk into the, the great southwest of Tasmania and, and get down into some of those amazing places and I'm like, wow, this is so cool. But you know what, if I was to, to become so comfortable in the wilderness that I never had a plan to get out of the wilderness, the wilderness would consume me. And, and as we know, here in Tasmania, lots of people have perished in the wilderness. I want to encourage us. You know what, you, you can be comfortable walking through a wilderness season, but don't become comfortable with the wilderness. It's not your destination. It's not where you're called to be. It's not where you're called to stay. So you know what? You are called to more. You know, when you go into the wilderness, have a plan to come out of the wilderness. And, and Jesus, before he started his ministry, um, he was led into the wilderness. And it says he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And and I'm sure he was comfortable with what he was asked to do, but he didn't believe that it was his destiny. The Holy Spirit led him through the wilderness, the Holy Spirit led him out of the wilderness, and the Holy Spirit led him into his destiny, which was to minister and ultimately die on the cross and pay the price of humanity's sin. You know, he didn't stay in the wilderness. If you're camping at the moment, in other words you don't feel like you're living in the promise. You don't feel like you're moving towards God's promises for you. Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to make you uncomfortable where you are? And, and that doesn't mean that you've suddenly you know, got to sell your house here in Hobart and, and, and move to Perth. Um, you, you've, just, you've just got to say, you know what, there are things in my world at the moment and I can just, I can just sort of accept them and say, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever will be, will be, and, and just go on like that. Or you can say, well, I actually don't believe this is the calling of God and I want the Holy Spirit to make me uncomfortable in this place so that I can actually see a way beyond this. You see, when you're uncomfortable in the wilderness, you actually start to see and believe the promise. And, and I want to encourage you with that. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you uncomfortable. All right, how can we live in the promise rather than camp in the wilderness? I think, number two, you've actually got to think with a freedom mindset. See, the reason the first generation Hebrew exiles couldn't receive the promise was even though they'd been physically freed, they struggled to make the progression to thinking in a freedom mindset. They, they, they were still governed by their slavery, even though they physically weren't in it, but their minds and their thinking was actually governed by their past and the slavery that they'd been through. And, and unfortunately, they didn't make that change. They didn't make their mindset. It took, it took actually a generation who had been born in the camp and who, who actually didn't really have, have a taste for the camp, but, but actually developed a, a, a taste and a hope for the promise of God that were able to walk into it. So we've got to think with a freedom mindset. Listen to what it says in Romans 8 verse 2. It says, Therefore, there is no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives you life has set you free. I think you've got to get to know his promises. You've got to understand the promises and we've got to pursue his promises. You have the freedom to do that. You have the freedom to believe the promises. Sometimes you can pick up the Bible or or, or somebody even might give you a very godly prophetic word or something like that and there is a promise of what God's going to do and you think, oh, oh, I could never be that. I don't deserve that. That's not me. My past actually discounts me from that. I've done all these things. You know what? You know, you have been set free from your past. You've actually been set free from those things that would condemn you and you actually have the freedom to lift your eyes. You've got the freedom to pursue the promises. You've got the freedom to find out the promises. You've got the freedom to believe the promises. You have got the freedom to go from camping in, and, and walk out of that place and become a person of promise. Think freedom. Think future. Think abundance. You're not camping. You're living in promise. All right, number three. How can we live in the promise rather than camp in the wilderness? I, I think we've, we've actually got to see the promised, not the past. And, and that sounds pretty easy doesn't it but obviously if you've got a past like we all have there are things about your past that would want to haunt you and control you we've all got things we think oh gee I wish I could go back and change that I wish I didn't say that I wish I didn't do that thing I wish I didn't muck up that relationship or I wish I I, I wish I behaved differently in my last marriage. You know, there, there are all these things about our past that feel like they want to come over us and, and control us. Well, you know what? You don't have to be controlled by your past. And, and we've actually got to, we've got to have a future mindset, not a past mindset. We, we've got to see the promises, not the past. And, and it's all very well to say, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just forget the past. Well, you know, it's not that easy. But you know what? What is it that we fill our mind with? You know, the more that we fill our mind and our thinking and our understanding standing with the promises of God, the more they determine our future and the more power they have over us rather than those memories of the past. The promise is life with abundance. When it got tough in the wilderness for the Hebrews, those first generation exiles, they hungered for the food and the security of Egypt. You know, when when things were getting tough, they said to Moses, they didn't say, Moses, you're awesome. You, you, you actually listened to God and you were courageous. You walked into Pharaoh's palace and you demanded that he let us go. And here we are. We've been freed from Egypt. They said, no, Moses, you brought us out in the wilderness and we're going to perish in the wilderness. Can you please take us back to Egypt? And, you know, in Egypt, you know, they, they had onions, they had garlic, they had all this good food. And in the desert, we're just getting this manna stuff. We've got no variety. And, 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 and they sort of, they hungered for their past. And somehow, just a few good things of their past overshadowed the fact that if they went back to Egypt, yeah, they might get to eat some garlic, they might get to eat some onions. But you know what? They would be slaves and they would, they would lose their destiny. They would be serving the dreams the vision and, and, and the legacy of another king and sometimes you know what we can actually look back to some glory days and we can look back and we just see one moment and, and we're willing to trade our future for just that one thing in our past 
so often people will trade, you know, they will, they will trade the 99% of their future for the 1% of the now or the 1% of their past. Let's not get hoodwinked into doing that. Let's make sure that we hold on to the promises. Let's make sure that we live as people of a promise rather than being controlled by our past. People of promise allow the hope of the promise to define their now, determine their direction and shape their future. You know, the, the, the past wants to enslave your thinking and freeze your now and steal your future. But people of promise allow the hope of that promise to define their now. In other words, what you are doing right now needs to be determined by the promises that God has for you. And, and, and you know, if you're thinking, well, what, what do I do in the now? Well, you know, you can, you can, you can lament what has happened in the past or you can actually get into the word of God and you can start to, to pursue his promises. You can start to understand what they say for you. You can start to believe them. You can start to have a hope. And, and, and once that gets into your thinking and your system, you will start to make decisions in the now because of those promises that will actually determine your future and will lead you into that. The wilderness camp. You know, it's not your home, your destination. You are a person of promise. And I just believe that really prophetically this morning. I just believe this is a, this is a moment where we've had this opportunity to go through somewhat of a reset and I think we're still doing that. And, you know, are, are we going to camp? You know, the wilderness is not all bad. There's some beauty in the wilderness. There's some amazing things in the wilderness. You know, I can't wait to get camping and get out in some of those places. But you know what? It's not my, it's not my ultimate destiny. You know, I, I pray that I don't walk down into the southwest and never walk out because I don't believe that's the calling and the destiny uh, that is on my life. But, you, you know, sometimes we, we become so comfortable with the wilderness that we actually can't actually see the promise, we can't take hold of the promise and we can't allow that to determine our future. So I want to, I want to encourage us. You know what? You are a person of promise. You are not called to camp in the wilderness. And sometimes we can spend all our effort. You know, as I shared that story about our camping trips, you know, after a while our camping got ridiculous because, you know, we had this great camp kitchen and all these things, these bells and whistles and things that you set up and it took us so long to set up and, and you know, we, we spent so much time and effort almost trying to make the camp as good as home. When, when that was not our destiny, we actually need to understand that, that we, we, you know, we don't have to do that. You know, camping is great for camping. Camping is good in that place. And, and you might be in that place right now, but you know what? It is not your destiny. Don't spend all your time and energy trying to make the camp comfortable. Spend your time and energy trying to, to pursue and understand and follow the promises that God has for you because they are going to lead you into your future and your destiny. The Hebrews spent all that time in Egypt. 400 years, I think it was, building another king's dreams and building legacy and monuments to another king. Listen to what it says in Matthew 6:33, but it says, "But seek first his kingdom." 
and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. In understanding how we become people of promise, first of all, we've got to understand who and what we're serving. And um, Bob Dylan probably got this bit right. He said you're going to have to serve somebody. And some of us just think we want to be free, but ultimately we serve, we serve someone or something. And if you want true freedom, the only way to find that true freedom is to say, you know what, I'm, I'm actually going to be set free of all those things because I'm actually going to choose to seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to, to serve the King of Kings. And it says, because he is all good, because his heart for you is so good, if we would do that, it says, all these things will be given unto you. In other words, he will give you good things. He will give you the things that enable your dreams because your dreams will be attached to his dreams. They will be attached to his future and you can step into an amazing partnership that means that you live with a purpose and a future that cannot be taken away and it will make a difference. But first and foremost, we've got to make that choice to seek the kingdom of God first. And right now, whether you're in your your car, your lounge room, bedroom, or or you're gathering with some other people right now and and watching this together, I, I just want to ask you, are you comfortable camping in the wilderness or do you want to be a person of promise? And if we want to be a person of promise, I think we've got to choose to seek the kingdom of God first. And there are two groups of people I want to speak to right now and I want you both to to be courageous enough to engage. The first group of people have never got to a place where where you've said, "I'm I'm prepared to seek Jesus. I'm prepared to follow Jesus. And... And right now, you know what? He wants to reach you right where you are. He, he wants to help you to come to a place where, where you can grab hold of the promises that he has for you. He actually wants to set you free of some of those things that feel like they're determining your life and your destiny. Or maybe your life in, in many ways feels quite good, feels like you've got it under control, but when you think about your eternal destiny, you know, you're not so sure. Well, why don't you take a brave step this morning and say, you know what, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God first. In other words, I'm going to put that first in my life. And if you would be brave enough to pray a real simple prayer, and that prayer is to say, Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came into this world, into this earth, and you were prepared to die on a cross. Why would he die on that cross? Well, he would die on that cross to pay the price of humanity's rebellion, which you and I have all contributed to, and he wants to set us free from that. He doesn't want to remind us of that. He actually wants to set us free, and the Bible actually tells us that, that, that when we accept the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, that, that, that the Father, God the Father can't even see it anymore, that, that, that it is actually covered over. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your past. He actually just sees your potential and your future. And, and, and if you would accept that and say, Jesus, 
right now I choose to follow you and I want you to fill me with your love and your presence and from this day forward I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, something would happen in your life right now. You can become a Christian, a follower of Jesus right now wherever you are. So just take a moment. Don't, don't let this moment pass. Don't sort of think, oh, this is a bit uncomfortable or this is too hard because I can't ask you a more important question. You know, are you, are you right? Are you right with the God of the universe? And you know what? He's not wanting to punish you. He's not wanting to destroy your life. He's actually wanting to love you and he's wanting to pour out his blessing and his promises on you. And we've actually got to come to a place where we can accept that so that we can receive it.